Hello, friends. Flood here. I know that you typically rely on us for the creepy things, but the fact of the matter is I've been out in the field a lot as of late, and so a lot of my time is being spent off of the microphone, uh, going through hours and hours of content recorded from the last couple of investigations that I've done. What's going to happen here is we're going to enter a little bit of a block of... Uh, entertainment value. So we're going to be doing a lot of Magic in the Media series as I continue to work through the content that we picked up at Brown Mountain, as well as prepare to deliver you a interactive experience with the Sally House in December. So please bear with me as we slowly but surely shift the gears towards nothing but 100% pure paranormal investigation starting in 2022. Brace yourselves, my friends, because it's going to get weird. I'm going to make it weird. But hell, y'all already know that about me. So tonight is going to be a little bit of an offshoot, and I want to welcome my good friend Carl Kiefer to the XV Planets family. Now, Carl is someone who you will definitely come to know throughout the series of uh, interviews and side projects that I have going on with him. But uh, in the meantime, you can find him on Deviant Legion and Incredibly Strange Films, and I will have all of that contact info for you in the show notes. So please enjoy this little offshoot as we dive into some of the uh, deeper, subtle meanings and um, hidden nuggets of music within Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. And yes, we will definitely be doing uh, a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff because that guy's gold, am I right? All right, friends, check it out. Welcome to XV Planets. Hello, friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wondrous things. Welcome back to XV Planets. I am your host, Flood. And tonight I have a special guest, Carl Kiefer, a very good friend of mine. And you're going to hear a little bit more about our story as this progresses. But Carl, hey, how you doing, brother? Not too bad. How about yourself, John? I'm nice fan- to be here on, on XV Planets. Super happy to have you here. Now, before we get rolling on this, I, I want to point out that um, Carl here is going to be a, a regular guest uh, as XV Planets progresses, especially any time that we're doing anything related on... Um, film or television, especially the oddities. But we also have a couple of other things up our sleeves that we're not going to quite give away just yet. But there are some more things coming, and you can definitely expect to hear quite a bit from Carl here as we move forward. So I just want to say thank you again. God help all your listeners, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, come on. You know me. If they're listening to me, they're going to love you. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Come on, you're restrained compared to me when I get him. <laughs> so what we're uh, what we're going to be doing tonight is um, uh, about a, about a week ago, Carl and I had this conversation about the recently released Netflix series Midnight Mass, of which we are both huge fans of. Now, while it's not, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to point out the uh, religious symbolism and and the underlying themes throughout the uh, the series. Through my conversation with Carl, he started picking it apart in a whole different way that was kind of blowing my mind. And I kind of, I wanted to bring Carl on here so that we can talk about some of these things that you may have missed. So I want to say right off the bat, if you haven't seen this series, you need to stop this podcast right now. Go watch the damn thing, then come back and listen to us, because we're going to be doing some deep dives into the um, less obvious themes and symbolism that's going on in that show. I, I think that's a fair assessment, right, Carl? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that being said, uh, you know what? Let's let's just jump into it. You know, so uh, a, a brief framing of this. Um uh, Midnight Mass is Mike Flanagan's most recent series. Uh, he's had considerable amount of success, uh, success in the last few years, especially through the the Haunting series, uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, and then uh, the Haunting of Hill House, both of which were phenomenal in their own right, and definitely catapulted me up to be a huge Mike Flanagan fan. Like, I love this guy's style, man. He's amazing. But 
Midnight Mass, we actually find him, based on his career, I'm not sure if you would agree with this, Carl, but we we find him at his most restrained. It's it's a little bit more of a a slow boil, um, a whole lot of character development and a whole lot of emotion before they even start pulling the ripcord on the horror elements, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. So as Carl and I were talking about this, he started throwing curveballs out to me that just fucking leveled me like to the point that I'm now, I'm now in the middle of a second rewatch of the series. And I, uh, I will definitely need a third before we continue on with this discussion. Um, or not this discussion, but ones to follow. So, uh, Carl, if you don't mind the, the first thing that I wanted to tap into, um, and this is something that uh, could, could you give us a little bit of your background regarding on like why we're going to be talking about this particular subject okay. tonight? So, so one of the things that uh, I should mention something that we did previous, and uh, I had John on my podcast, which I'll talk about after the show, um, and we did a commentary watch on a dark song, mm-hmm. and and one of the things that my co-host on my podcast says that if death were to be in my house and I was hiding in the closet, all death would have to do is say, Hey Carl, we got a religious horror film here. <laughs> and I come out and says, okay, kill me. But after the film, <laughs> <laughs> just let me finish this, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, then fine. But, but my actual background is I have a uh, minor in philosophy. I have a minor in theology and I have a master's in church music from Concordia University uh, in Chicago. And uh, I have been, um, I grew up in a German household. My mother was a um, a choir director, uh, junior choir director at a church. And at eight years old, she basically looked at me like, you will accompany my choir. So (laughs) since eight years old, and I'm in my 60s now, I've been dealing with church. Mm -hmm. I had my first uh, paid position at the age of 15, and I've been doing it ever since for many denominations and many religions, including Jewish, and and, and, uh, I played High Holy Days and that. So I have a a real sense of, of working within the church and within the confines of religion and also in terms of spirituality. Right. Yeah. So that's how you and I connected so much on Dark Saw. Very true, because it, uh, it, it, uh, unlike most films who tackle things like religion and the occult, a Dark Song definitely went out of its way to portray it as honestly and realistically as some of these uh, ancient rituals were concerned. So it's very rare that you find a filmmaker who actually wants to present the uh the actual context of all of that stuff as opposed to glamorizing it and, and you know pushing the boundaries with it which we all know and love because that's why we watch spooky movies but it is a rarity to come across somebody who implements a, a little bit more of the history and the reality of it into it and i think that's kind of what we we saw with midnight mass oh absolutely so that was uh, that was our first introduction. Carl and I did a did a dive into a dark song, and that just kicked off a hell of a great friendship here. And now we're talking it several times a week. Now, uh, last week, um, you and I had a text battle back and forth, like dark or uh, uh, midnight mass, midnight mass. You see it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the whole thing? No, no. Okay, just wait, just wait, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's John. That's you, John. Without a doubt. No but patience. wait, there's more. <laughs> And, um, so whenever, uh, whenever Carl finally got a chance to finish watching it, like he, he called me up and we, we got on the phone for probably like an hour and just started picking some things apart about this series. And then Carl started, uh, pointing out many, many layers that were, were going on, uh, in that series that I didn't quite catch on. Uh, in part because I, I, you know, I haven't really been in touch with the uh, religious beliefs that I grew up with uh, in quite a while, but um, also because it's damn subtle. And unless you really know what you're looking for, you're probably going to miss it. So, Carl, if you don't mind, I'd like to to tackle one of the first things that you brought up to me. 
that of course, and given your background, of course, is going to be one of the first things that pops up was the use of music in that series. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that, uh, I'm interested in, I haven't gone through the whole series yet again to really sit down, but I've done three episodes. And so when you're a musician, I'm a musician right now at a Christian science church, which is different, but, but I'm basically have been, uh, uh, church uh, choir director and organist at a Episcopal church. And it's very liturgical. Okay. So each Sunday you have this, this little guide that tells you what hymns are appropriate that connect to the God, to the readings and so on and so forth. And, and so I listen, you know, as I was watching midnight mass, one of the first interesting things I noticed is that the first two songs are Neil Diamond songs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember and, you throwing that out to me and me going like, I know that that should mean something, something, but I just didn't quite put it together. And then you hit me with a whammy. Okay. So Neil Diamond uh, uh, did number, I can't remember the first one, but the second one was Suleiman. Uh, and both were, were religious text. Okay. In terms of at least it, it referenced God it referenced, uh, uh, you know, eternity and, and, and blessings and so on and so forth. And the interesting thing is these are set up before the main character who is the priest comes to the island. Now, of course, very subtle, but Neil Diamond is Jewish, is not Christian. Okay, so you've got... You know, if you know the, the basic Christianity, it comes from the Jewish religion. So it's it's making a benchmark of saying, this is Jewish. Then we're going to move into uh, uh, the resurrection and and, 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 and Christ and, and so on and so forth. And that's exactly where it goes. So, so with those two songs, it's referencing the history of Christianity right there. Because and then once he comes to the island, it all becomes Christian hymns and Christian iconography in 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 the music. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and in particular, did, you you pointed out to me that there was like a, a shift in the music, right? Where where like the the pop not, songs, not and- the music, not the music. It was it was more a shift in the theology that was being presented. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when father Paul comes to that first, uh, service, they talk about living the Christ life and that Christ, you know, uh, 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 he, he talks to Riley and he says, you know, uh, Riley, Christ would be very, very, uh, comfortable talking to you because you were the type of people he wanted to come to him. This is very much a liberal theology. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, when I say Episcopalian, uh, you know, we like to joke that we're Catholic light. We're Catholic with half the guilt. <laughs> right. Right. And we're very Catholic in the way that we do things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our social uh, uh, end of it, are, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in Episcopal, uh, I, I always say that we want to reflect Christ in the way that we act. And so we are Christ-like. Now, Christian, when you say someone's a Christian, most people take that as a noun, right? Right. But Christian actually means little Christ. Think of it in the terms of a verb. At the beginning of midnight mass mm -hmm. it's a verb by the third episode it's a noun huh okay you know and, and and there you get to think that that we're christian because we believe in christ and that we're better right you know and of course that that's echoed by a specific uh uh a specific uh, characters a definitely specific characters <laughs> yeah. Oh God, just the worst of the worst on that one. And I met two Bevs in my lifetime. 
I'm not kidding. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. I, I grew up in uh, the deep south, so I I got them all. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, there were uh, there were some other themes that you touched on, and um, I can't really remember off the top of my head because we went through so much over those two conversations. I'm I'm, I'm getting my notes up, so give but, me a moment. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was um your your view on the ending of it. But maybe we should save that for the end of the show. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, the ending of, uh, of it is, is, is um, very interesting. Um, so what happens is that Bev takes over basically the church. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, people go out and, and spread the virus mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And the thing is, what happens, and, and one of Flanagan's points in this, is that this type of, of um, I can't think of the word right now, but, but th- this type of zealotry is a good word. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, harkens back to things like the uh, Crusades. And, and things like that, 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 uh, and it's all a misrepresentation of what, what we read in the Bible and, and what, what spirituality and religion is in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can tell by the people that really believe how they act at the end. You know, the mother gives up her life instead right. of. You know, and, and things like that. And and what it does is it points the, the, a real finger at the celery that happens. Yeah, yeah. You would agree with that, John, correct? Yeah, I do. I, um, I find it really interesting to see how the... Uh, This, this band of outsiders, the very same people that, of course, uh, Jesus would invite into his flock, um, are now being hunted down by the Christians of noun as opposed to verb. And, and this small band of outsiders is now demonstrating Christian as a verb, you know, sacrificing themselves, giving up everything for everyone else in order to, you know, secure a safe day tomorrow for the rest of the world. Whereas uh, everybody else like literally just falls into a full blown cult mentality that we are right. And everyone else is wrong, which, you know, as I've expressed several times, I think is like a major flaw in the vast majority of organized religions, but that's really because it's the people who are in power that are, uh, and we discussed that. Yeah. We discussed that. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to say that spirituality is 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 personal, religion is crowd control. I love that statement. You brought that up to me once before, and I want that shit on a t-shirt. <laughs> I really do. I think that's a but, that's but a great line. This. Religion is crowd control, but it's who's controlling the crowd. The crowd, yes. You know, yes. you know. I mean, I've worked with several churches, uh, uh, primarily Episcopal churches. And I have seen the good come out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a particular uh, uh, priest, uh, female priest that I worked with, who uh, immediately when she got the job and, and hired me, uh, she worked on getting food banks in her small community. And she works with people and she brings people in, you know, uh, homeless and things like that. And she does what, I suspect and, and, and I expect actually out of someone who really believes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, I, that really does kind of stand towards what you're saying about the difference between it being a noun and a verb, because it takes action in order to do these things in order to show kindness, to show, uh, um, you know, help to, to show honor and respect for all, living beings it takes a certain level of selflessness in order to to do that and and the thing is there there's another thing too which is uh somewhat of a calvinist uh theology but 
but it also goes back to the Bible that you do these things without fanfare. Mm-hmm. You yeah, do you're these, not looking for recognition at all. You're n- no recognition. You just do it. Yeah. And 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 one of the things, one of the reasons <laughs> I went to Concordia is because most of the music schools were performance based. Uh, Concordia was theology based and liturgy based. Mm-hmm. One of the things they taught us, one of the first things is being a church musician. It's not about you. It's about supporting the congregation. Right. It's not about the spotlight on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the same can be said for any um, true, honest, uh, heartfelt, good sense of like any type of group. Hell, even even a band, you could say the same thing. You right. got to understand that the spotlight is not about you. It's actually about them, you know? For us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that. That's actually a better way of putting it. Yes, it's it is about us, and you are included in that. But part of the understanding of, of of that is that you should not seek the limelight, nor should you revel in it if you are given it too long. You know, right. humility is important. I don't get me wrong; everybody should definitely take a uh, opportunity if you find yourself up on stage and can shine for a moment. By all means, goof off, but don't milk it to the point that you're damaging people. <laughs> well, 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 the thing is, like many, many uh, uh, choir directors and music directors at churches, it becomes their own little uh, fiefdom. Yep. Yeah. And that's not the way to do it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, one one of my best friends is a pastor I worked with. And uh, he just, he always says, I spoiled him because I worked with him. You know, I might complain about his choice of hymns, which I did, (laughs) by the way. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, it's not about me. Yeah. It is. It's about the worship. It's about the liturgy. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, as you take a look at Midnight Mass and you take a look at these characters, that's exactly how to gauge them and what they're going to react later and how they're going to act later. You can tell. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like now that we've had these conversations and now I'm I'm back in the middle of my second viewing of this, it's it's so interesting to see this again knowing some of the things that I've talked with you about, because you can see the pieces like falling into place and it's actually a little bit more disturbing the second time around. I think. <laughs> you know why? Because the first four episodes are basically human based. You yep. don't know what's happening. <clears throat> so you're just seeing these reactions and the way that people act toward each other, get more and more toxic. Okay. Yeah, upon a second viewing, once you actually know how it's all going to go down, it's actually a lot easier to see these pillars falling or falling into place, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and it just, it, it, it blows my mind. There's so much more going on underneath the surface of that series uh, than what most people catch at a, a first glance. And given the fact that it is kind of a genre and... Um, and an age age rating that most most Christians are probably not going to watch this thing. <laughs> I, um, well, you know, the funny thing is, I I don't call this a, you know, it is a horror a series. Okay, I mean, it definitely has some horror tropes, but to me, it's a religious treaty that just uses the horror tropes. It's a religious drama. Yeah. yeah. Um, very much, and and this is actually a common theme in most of Mike Flanagan's work is that even though he t- typically works in uh, the the horror genre, the content that he brings is far more um, complex than that. You know, oh, like absolutely, Haunting of uh, Hill House was obviously a broken family drama, right? Um, 
uh, Haunting a Bly Manor was a broken-hearted romantic drama in a long, long form of it. Um, and Midnight Mass is definitely a meditation on um, on Christianity and, and religion. And I find the story arcs of each character to be incredibly fascinating with the exception of Bev, because I almost considered her to like, as soon as I saw her and her first five minutes in the show, I was like, that's, that's the one that's going to go nuts. That is the one. This is uh Mrs. What's her name from the mist. All right. It's the exact same thing. Um, I, I I actually also uh, think that she's Mrs. Iselin from uh, Manchurian Candidate. Ooh, that's a good one, buddy. We need to do a commentary on that. You know, you know, in in terms of that, she's just so proper, and you don't, you know, if you see someone like that, you think, you know, uh, 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 she's just a little stuck up or that. But you know, you know, when you talk about an evil character in Midnight Mass. It's Bevan. By the way, if that actress doesn't get an Emmy nomination, something's wrong. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, she was almost unwatchable, and that's and and not because her acting was bad, because it was so damn good. Like it <laughs> sent chills down my spine whenever she was taking control of the the. She just chewed the scenery with her role, man. Like it was, it was so good. The whole sequence when uh, the sheriff, and by the way, that's something else I want to get into. When the sheriff comes to uh, visit her at the storeroom and starts mm-hmm. asking about the chemicals and her responses were just harrowing, like frightening. Yeah. Might have been one of the scariest moments of the whole show. Uh, agreed. I and suppose again, anyone comes, could come in here. from the supernatural element. It comes from the human element. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think we can all agree that the, those are the actual scariest parts of horror movies. When you find out that it's it's not the supernatural element, it is the human element that is causing all of this pain and misery. Um, and it's a pretty standard trope, but when tastefully done, can be incredibly effective. And I definitely think Mid- Midnight Mass nailed that, oh, like, knocked it out of the damn park, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. Now there's uh there was something else that you brought up uh regarding the sheriff and I would like to touch on that because that was that was an interesting point of view that I didn't really think about although I knew it was very very purposeful that they uh they put a uh that they made the sheriff's character uh muslim and and focus and like th- that was its own plot device and drive but you started to throw out some interesting things to me the last time that we talked that I didn't really think about. I was wondering if we could touch back on those again. Yeah, sure. Uh, so this character of the sheriff, one of the things I first noticed, and by the way, uh, I think in the second episode, it's even specifically stated um, that uh, uh, by Joe, uh, who is the town drunk. Oh, yeah. Sharif. Uh, um, Sharif. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's Omar Sharif, mm-hmm. Egyptian, okay, and 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 Muslim, and and the other thing, the the, the the thing that really hit me was the meeting in the school where Bev wants to bring in uh, 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 um, prayer and mm-hmm. berates. You know, they keep saying, you know, just come to church. You know, you don't have to believe. You just come, which, of course, they want, you know, it's all about getting someone from the other religion and converting them, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Why do you think the the uh, uh, Crusades happened or right. any of this or the Inquisition? It was all about. You know, everybody's got to be in this religion. And that's not just Christian. I mean, you could say that certainly about the Muslims, too. You know, and certain countries that are under under their control, you know, what hap- what's happening in Afghanistan. And again, there you go. You, 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 have, you have a belief system that's twisted by people in power right, to turn exactly. it into something that it's not supposed to be. But, but, yeah. but in this particular scene, well, well, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And he says, oh, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And they do. If you if you study Muslim uh, uh, religion, uh, 
Uh, certainly they revere Jesus Christ as a prophet, but not yeah. the main prophet. Not the son of God, yes. Yeah. As a prophet. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so so there is a respect there that he's given them, but he's not getting the respect back. And this is something that really riles me about people. Now, being Episcopalian, I am very, very much, I like to call myself a leftist or left-leaning Christian. That means I'm interdenominational. I uh, believe in acceptance and LGBTQ and so on and so forth and, and all that. Okay. And when I see someone discounting someone else's lifestyle or religion, because of prejudice, because they think they're right. I always say, if a Christian tells you they're right, run away screaming because <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, that's uh, that's fair. I think the same can be said about uh, about any religion and any politician. While you're at it, uh, and I have the answer. Atheists oh, too. Oh no! <laughs> actually, atheists too. There's this sense of of uh, uh, like Christopher Hutchins. Who oh, I like do that. respect to a certain degree, but 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 that snobby superiority level, yeah, that superiority, atheism. which makes him a bev of 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 of, uh, of atheism. Atheism. <laughs> I, so I'm I'm actually really glad you brought that up because uh, you know me personally, for the longest time, I identified as an atheist. Like I couldn't, I couldn't make any connection. None of it made any sense to me. And then over the course of you know a couple of decades, I had some experiences happen to me that made me question my belief structure, uh, belief system or lack thereof. And, uh, I realized that I was being an arrogant and pompous idiot. Who's not willing to listen to anybody. And so I, I started defining myself a little bit more as an agnostic. Um, you know, it's, I'm open to the thought of it, but I have yet to see any proof. And now here we are 10 years after the agnostic point, And I am 100% convinced that there is something out there greater than you and me and all of us put together. I just don't think that we have the capacity to fully understand it. And so we try to play fill in the blanks, but, but because man is fallible, we fill in those blanks with a whole lot of things that don't belong there. Right. And, and one of the things I I'm now currently at a Christian science church as, as an organist. And we have a soloist there that I work with. Hmm. And uh, the one thing that they, do is that they have this this um, sort of bridge between spiritual and mortal, mm-hmm. and, and and if we want to become purely spiritual, all the mortal things and and the things we see and touch and sickness and all that are unreal. They're not yeah. part of the true reality, right? And I think I don't completely agree with that but i understand exactly what they're getting at okay everything is man-made we are not on a spiritual level okay and so because of that any type of spirituality uh none of us are going to know if we're right and none of us are right until we get up to heaven or wherever we go and we find out what the hell is going on right yeah you know, so so if if you can at least accept that and accept that these are to a certain degree man-made structures. Now Absolutely. they can point to God, they can point to what we need to do to be spiritual and to bring, you know, our lives and the lives around us better, you know, make it better. But but we're human. We have we well, let's put it this way, we fuck up. A lot. We fuck up a lot. Like it's uh, actually, actually, I think we fuck up more than we succeed. But <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with that. At least if you try to succeed and you try to 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 bridge that gap between people and listen, it's it's about your ears. It's about your brain too. Yeah. yeah. Think about any spiritual. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's always a journey. And yeah. if and if you aren't questioning your spirituality you're making it dead <clears throat> i love that you put it like that <clears throat> I, I think that's a great way to put it actually because 
you know, in my journey, uh, like I said, over, over the last 10 years in particular, I've found my way back to a sense of spirituality and a connection to something greater than me. Mm-hmm. But I took the road less traveled to get there. And I questioned everything that I came across. <laughs> you know, like I never take anything at face value. I will do my research. I will figure out the best way to do it um, or, you know, what, what the right path for me is. Um, but the one thing that I will say is, is that my pursuit back towards that in getting in touch and even being open to the concept has actually like reinvigorated some of those same core values that you and I are always talking about that every major religion has, you know, which is honesty, kindness, love to all people, uh, helping people as much as you can. Uh, the basic fundamentals that our moral internal compass tell us to do every day. We just you know, a lot of us tend to ignore it. That compass is actually way more fine tuned now. And what it's brought me to is a place that I can speak to anyone about spirituality and their belief structure. And I can have it be a a very open conversation as opposed to, no, you're so wrong. Or no, I'm so wrong. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're all wrong and we're all right at the same time. let's, Let's admit that we all have blind spots. (laughs) <laughs> no. You know, and, and, and part of that, too, is is um, the sense of being open, you know, and, 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 you know, understanding that we don't know everything. One of the interesting things, and, and, and it's in the Catholic Church to a certain degree, but it's actually, again, a big thing in the Episcopal Church. Have you ever heard of the sense of the holy doubt? Is that? Uh, no, that's not something that I'm too familiar with. And once you the holy doubt basically is the sense that to grow spiritually, you have to question. Mm-hmm. And and this is very much harkens back to to how uh, the Jewish rabbis and that because they would always study and they would always ask questions and. And, and, and discuss among themselves. Challenge and, and the system. There'd be a, a lot of this give and take of how to take a specific passage and interpret. Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing is, it's about interpretation. We all cherry pick. Okay. Or, or we just don't even bother to do our own reading and research and just listen to everyone else. You right. Know? Which, right. Uh, yeah, cherry picking. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one thing. You know, you go into a church, and and let's say it's a liberal church or a conservative church or whatever the case would be. There are some things that are being said that you may not agree with or you may not understand. And, and, And if you don't question that, then you're just taking things at face value. Because in, in, in many ways, by questioning, it becomes personal as opposed to congregational. Yeah, especially and that's like one a, thing you see in Midnight Mass, because if you take a look at the liturgy and what's being said throughout the uh, episodes by the pastor becomes more and more, it's us against them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and like so the, everybody says, oh, it must be that way. The divide and builds the within people them. that are outside that are questioning, guess what? They're the heroes. Yeah. That's where it comes down. And you mentioned that. It's these band of outsiders that question and don't agree. Yeah, the 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 misfits, the ones, the outcasts, the uh, the, the ones who um, aren't willing, as you said, to take things at face value that end up doing the most godlike and Christian-like things in the entire series. Yes. Which is actually going against what, the local, you know, the, the local church is telling them to do, which I really find fascinating. Um, and, and definitely something I want to do a much deeper dive on. We'll, de- we'll get to that part here in just a little bit. <laughs> oh, we um, have plans, people. 
We got plans. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you, you know what? Honestly, at, at, at this point, Carl, we're coming up on 40 minutes. I think we can actually unleash those plans if you want to make the announcement or should I? No, no, no. You make the announcement. All right. Because we got two of them. I'll take the other one. Yeah, okay. All right. Fair enough. So uh, regarding Midnight Mass, uh, this episode is not going to be a one-off. Uh, Carl and I are going to be doing a deep dive episode by episode commentary on Midnight Mass sometime in the near future uh, once we can all manage our schedules a little bit better. And I'm the worst at that right now. I'm, I'm the first one to admit. So any of y'all who have been emailing me, I promise I will get back to you. Just give me a couple of weeks. Um but yeah, Carl and I are going to do a episode by episode breakdown on this after we've both had a chance to watch it two, three, four, five times, somewhere around in there. And <laughs> and um, after the discussions that I've had with Carl about this, like I'm really intrigued to view it through multiple lenses and through multiple watches and try to unearth some of the the symbolism and the subtlety that uh, and, and the social, political, and religious commentary that's going on in Midnight Mass. It's because there's tons of it. The more you and I talk about this damn thing, the deeper the rabbit hole goes. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you can expect that to be happening sometime here uh, in the near future. Um, we will keep everyone updated and posted on that. Um, Carl, I'm going to sling it over to you. You had a... You had a announcement to make there okay so john and i have been in discussion uh, about an idea that i had and we are actually going to do a test run uh this saturday yep and my idea was a round table a round table of people of different viewpoints and spirituality from different uh, perspectives, talking about a specific spiritual concept. Mm -hmm. And so the spiritual concept we're going to be uh, talking about in this test run is going to be um, forgiveness. And so we have John, okay? And we Your have resident myself, weirdo. <laughs> and we also have uh, uh, a tried and true to atheists. His name is Bill Reynolds. We have a, an agnostic who believes that space aliens started us. That would be my ex-wife. God, I can't wait for this. <laughs> oh, my ex-wife, Vicki Love. So we have Vicki. Uh, and we also have uh, a gentleman who, I, who uh, actually, when we did the first test run, was with us. Uh, and that's Ronald. Damn. Yeah, and Ronald is is very much an evangelical Pentecostal Christian, and so there's going to be some differences of opinion. Oh yeah, there there's going to be a considerable amount of debate, and I can tell you, folks, right now this this could get a little wacky, could also get pretty funny, could get a little uncomfortable. But I think the main goal at the end of it is to be insightful and maybe help. Uh, Educate not only each other, but anyone who could be listening that different walks of life have different paths that they follow and different belief structures. And therefore, that may actually dictate some of the actions that they would take on a personal level. Right. And, and, and the other thing, too, is I come from a debate background. Mm -hmm. OK, so John and I will be, I guess, co-moderators, co-wranglers. Yep. However, in terms, but what we want to do is present something that is respectful of everybody involved. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I do hope we can get a, a couple of other people popping in from time to time of, of even other different faiths uh, to, uh, to I'd like to find someone well. who's, who's uh, <laughs> Jewish, for example. All right. So folks, for those of you listening, if you are uh uh, if you're Jewish and feel strong about uh, your faith and your belief structure, reach out to us at xvplanets.com and um, let me know why we should bring you on to the roundtable. Because as I said to you before, Carl, I definitely want this to be as inclusive as humanly possible. Uh, however, at the same time, I may or may not be chuckling to myself on a daily basis thinking, all right, so 
agnostic, an atheist, a liberal Christian, a evangelical Christian, and a cultist walk into a bar. And I just think that's <laughs> And then we all hurt our head and then go home. <laughs> Man walks into a bar and says, ow. Took my exactly. granddad 45 minutes to figure that damn joke out, man. I don't get it. Walks into a bar and says, ow. Walks into a bar and says, ow. Look, I told this joke to him on the phone. We finally wrap up our call. I hang up on him 30, 45 minutes later. I get a phone call. I pick it up and it's just him laughing his ass off on the other end. <laughs> ow. Walked into the bar. It was just like, I'm like, all right, great. <laughs> no, but it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that takes shape. Uh, because whenever you brought this idea to me and started talking to me about it, like I was enraptured. I I love I love going to a bar with uh, a couple of my friends, all from different backgrounds, and all of a sudden we strike on one subject and that everybody has an opinion on from a different point of view. I love that stuff because not only does it help us grow as human beings, it also helps them grow. It exactly. helps us grow as a society to understand that there is not only one way to do things, you know? No. And that, that's the whole point. You know, uh, you know, another thing, you know, we talk about Jewish, you know, getting a Muslim on there too would be interesting. I'd yeah. really like that. I actually, uh, I have a couple of Muslim friends who might be willing to, uh, to do this. Um, but I think they also kind of want to hear how the first couple go off. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. That viewpoint. And, uh, and, you know, of course I will be the first to admit that I have no problems being, uh, wrangling in mon uh, moderator. Like I got my lasso sitting right over there. So we got this. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, um, Shall I go into what we're doing at uh, Deviant Legion and give them a little background what we're doing there? Yeah, please. Actually, well, but before you go into that, uh, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to, I hopefully am going to have this actually um, processed and and uh, mastered and out by Thursday. Um, so in the case of that happening, I just wanted to point out that Friday evening, Carl and I are going to be doing a live commentary on Pawnee Pool. And for any of you who have ever seen that movie, you are probably going, going to want to tune into that. I'll be sure to add the uh, the link in the show notes if you want to tune in and listen. But yeah, Carl, um, we've we've haven't really talked too much about the things that you're involved with that actually brought me to your doorstep. So yeah, please fill us in. Okay, so I I run a a podcast group called Deviant Legion. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can also follow us on blogtalkradio.com. I am also a, a, a mod at uh, the Incredibly Strange Films uh, Facebook group, which has over 400,000 members. Which you should definitely check out. And I will have links to all this out. in the show notes. Yeah, And, and I think that's how we, we first truly connected was through ISF, right, John? Yeah, no, as a matter of fact, I uh, I think I reached out to you right. and, and asked like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a deep dive into a dark song. And I was wondering if I like I'm, I'm not trying to do like an ad thing, but I was wondering if I could just throw that out there on the page for and anybody said, who might be interested. Well, of course, it's one of my favorite fucking movies, <laughs> but I have a better idea. <laughs> yeah. And that became our first meeting over a dark song and bloomed into a lifelong friendship, my friend. Absolutely. So, so what we have um, tomorrow uh, on Deviant Legion, we have uh, uh, film director Scooter McRae, who uh, was the director of Shattered Dead, which is a film in, uh, that was made in the 90s. It's being, uh, uh, it's being renewed and in, in, in that by a Benicus. The 4K Center, remaster, right? Remastered. Yeah. And um, uh, the interesting thing is you might even call in on this because the uh, the uh, uh, tagline is God hates you. <laughs> Look, I really want to call in on that one. And uh, but I've never seen Shattered Dead. But also, along with Scooter, we're go going to have Joe Badon on uh, with Scooter. And oh Joe is the director of a film called Sister Tempest. And uh, it, that's going to be released uh, in November. 
on Blu-ray and DVD. Oh, it's and finally it's finally getting the home release. Yep. Oh, sweet guys! Yeah, it's all right, the home release. All of my friends out there who know this podcast, who know me, and and watch all of the weird, wacky shit that I do. Carl just showed me a trailer to this thing, and it looks like it it, it looks like it looks like Argento coming back from the dead. It looks great. I cannot wait to watch this fucking movie, man. I really can't. Ever well, since you put that, like. I walked away from that trailer going like, where do I buy? Where do I buy? Where do I buy? Well, I like, I like to call Joe Badad the micro budget Alejandro Jodorowsky. That is, I got to see the film before I can agree or disagree with that. <laughs> but yeah. I love Jodorowsky, man. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. So on, on Friday, as John said, we're going to be doing a, uh, a watch on Pontypool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, hopefully, we're still working on this. Uh, we, uh, we're we going to try to get Tony Burgess on. Uh, he's checking his schedule right now. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get him on for spooky season for October before the end of the month. Uh, hell, man. That's Tony Burgess. He could co- he, he could contact us all the way in January. I'm still going to be game. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Then on uh, Sunday, uh, Doc Sludge, a.k.a. my cohort, uh, Eric Omland and I, and and also Rachel, my co-host, will be doing a commentary watch on Roar. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is is the Lion movie where basically everybody involved got almost their head bitten off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, Hendren, a, that's a it's uh, a real piece of cinematic history right there. Yeah, and it's and it's scary to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's scary to see. Then on Monday, which is a week from today, uh, this is going to be a really fun episode. Uh, my friend Patrick Crane, who is the head of the Oklahoma uh, City Film Society and uh, an author. And I will be doing a podcast on sexploitation horror. Uh-oh. Right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be doing both softcore and hardcore. Please tell me there's some Frankenhooker in there somewhere. Uh, I hadn't really thought about Frankenhooker. I would do that more as a horror comedy. If you want to do Frankenhooker, we could probably do a podcast watch of that too if you or, want to come or, or ne- necromantic freaking heartbeat i love that movie <laughs> it's so bad but it's so good but but we're gonna uh, uh i'm gonna be uh dealing with uh sean roline and and uh jess franco and a couple other things i'm sure uh um uh attack of the bee girls is going to be on there uh and a number of different films but Patrick is going to be focusing more on the hardcore. Uh, and it's interesting because my former partner and I, Stephen Ronquillo, we have like one foot in the art cinema and one foot in the and, and the exploitation cinema. And Patrick is very much the same way. It's like you call me a, a brother from another mother. I call Patrick a brother from another mother for the, for the same reason. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, then, and then on the 22nd, uh, um, our podcast uh, host uh, uh, Adam Ferenz will be doing the cathode ray mission and we're going to be doing the golden age of horror mo- horror films so we're going to go into the universal monsters and and uh, maybe some silent films up until about Val, Val Luton so we're going to be talking about that also awesome. so we got lots going on and there's more coming yeah, Trust so me, there's more coming on on, on Deviant Legion. So you want to follow us at um, and again uh, we have Facebook page Deviant Legion, uh, BlogTalkRadio.com, uh, yeah. or ISF, or just look for me. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have the place and just I'm gonna have links to all of this stuff um, whenever I post the show notes out. And as as most of you know, when I post an episode, I post it on all forms of social media. So if you're following on Facebook, you will definitely be able to um, find my good friend Carl here, as well as all of the pages that, that um, he's connected with on there. So 
Uh, I'm going to need to get some info from you on that, but I'll be sure that all of our listeners have access to that. Um, because, I, I, and important to note, Deviant Legion and, and Incredibly Strange Films, they pump out some fucking phenomenal material, people. They, they really do. So if you haven't looked into them yet, do it. Go check it out. I promise you will not regret it, or my name is in Flood. <clears throat> okay, so, so when does the flood happen? I'm just asking. <laughs> I can't tell you where my name came from. Okay. I I can guess, though. That gives <laughs> you power over me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's a, there's a reason that my nickname is Flood, and there's a reason that my uh, my musical project is referred to as Folds and Floods. Okay. So there's, a, there's, there's an overlying theme. However, only myself and one other person is ever going to know what it really means. Well, well I, I will tell you what my... Uh, in college, I had a nickname. It was Mungus. Mungus? Yes, as in there's a fungus among us. Why did you get that name? <laughs> I don't know, but I loved it. So I, I just went with it. God knows people have been giving me nicknames for years. Now yeah. I'm, I'm Now I'm the crazy uncle. So, you know, whatever it is. I can I can go with it. <laughs> Igor is the only other nickname that was uh, given to me. Now that I can see. Now I I do have to say, John, you posted something at an event, and you had this flowing mane of hair. <laughs> and I was, was going to say, guy. I was going to start calling you Rapunzel, but no, that wouldn't be right. <laughs> you can call me Vlad. Vlad. <laughs> Vlad is love, baby. Don't hurt me. <laughs> so, I, I, before I go, I do need to tell someone. And, and uh, the, so, I have a very close friend of mine who is uh, the head of a Wiccan circle, mm-hmm. and 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 this is someone I've known for nearly well over forty years. And Richard and I are very close, and. Uh, I was staying with Richard for a while and uh, he um, he knows I'm a church musician and that sort of thing. So, so when I got this call for, for uh, an audition for the Christian science church, uh, he actually had a circle and had to circle pray for me. And I got the job and I'll tell you what prayer. I don't care what, denomination what belief you have if you have a connection to the spiritual world prayer works okay so that actually brings up a really interesting point about this whole round table thing that we're talking about doing right. and i just want to throw one subject in particular out to you that i would really like us to touch on somewhere down the line okay ritual Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. I want to see how how uh, Ronald reacts to certain things first. Fair enough. All uh, right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe in rituals. Rituals are really important. Yeah, yeah, I I do. There's a there's a meditative uh, connection to it. Um, the the routine, the structure of it. Uh, you, you could even go right on into comparing it to meditation practices, things like that, you know, ways to get you closer to the divine energy or whatever. You it also call connects it. you to those people that believed before you, which is a very powerful thing. And as Absolutely. somebody who is very, very uh, connected with the concept of uh, chaos magic, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a hundred percent sure of that, but, but I have heard the nomenclature and, and do know a bit about it, but I haven't studied it that much. So it's a, uh, it, it is the most <sighs> unoccult version of occult sciences you could ever ask for. Like it's, you know, it's uh it's very based on the understanding and belief that different individuals have different needs and have different belief structures that they need to pull from in order to create safety energy and a connection and 
a lot of these things, whether or not you believe them in them now anymore, still played a very vital, important part as to who you are as a human being. And therefore, they should be respected, revered and understood. So you, you have to take the time before you try to break out into other belief structures is to understand the one that you were steeped in. Mm hmm which I think is a pretty powerful thing because it, it kind of forces you to go back and look on these things that you used to disown or disconnect with. And now going back into it with a, a more open mind and understanding that they had a larger play in the creation of you as a human, as a human being that you are now. Oh, absolutely. It's worth paying more attention to. Again, and to it's give the a little journey. Bit more respect. Yeah. It's the journey. It's, it's the not journey. the destination, man. It's the journey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and we're not talking about uh, 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 don't stop believing either. Okay, just saying. Uh, yeah, if you ever utter that song in my house, I will fucking throw you out in a heartbeat. Seriously, like Journey is not allowed in my house. Neither is Leonard Skinner. Okay, um, <laughs> that's fine. I can work with that. Just so you don't say Frank Zappa, or else you know it's all off. I'm telling you. Oh no 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 no! I want all the Zappa. <laughs> In the dangerous kitchen. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. No, no, no. Who the fuck wants to clean it? <laughs> oh, Zappa is fucking brilliant. I'm so, like, as soon as you said you were a Zappa fan, I'm like, oh, this guy really is family. Okay. <laughs> I saw Zappa five times. I I can't talk to you anymore because you just hit a level of cool that I'm never going to be able to touch. Well, well, I haven't even given you the definite yet oh, i was actually okay. on stage with him i'll tell you that story later i i i i'm not worthy i'm not worthy <laughs> I keep telling i'm you not I'm worthy footnote. i'm a footnote i keep telling you i'm a footnote uh, but somehow I got a feeling like since i'm coming up to uh to new york for spring break in uh in march I think I'm going to have to bring some instruments with me, and I think you and I are going to have to have a, uh, a, a Zappa jam. Yeah, just like a penguin in bondage, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Running. Yeah, I can work with that. I can work with that. Okay. All right, Carl. Hey, dude, thank you so much for joining me tonight, and thank you for, for doing this this teaser episode for the uh, the full-on breakdown of the series that we're going to do here in the near future. So, folks, now is your time. Go watch Midnight Mass. Soak that thing in. As a matter of fact, watch it twice. I promise you it's actually worth it because if you go back and watch it a second time, you're going to see and feel so much more in those first few episodes than you did on the first run. And it's going to open up your eyes a little bit more to the grander things that are going on within the story narrative. Carl, I cannot thank you enough for uh, coming on here to, to do some of the, uh, a little bit of the deep dive that we're going to be doing in a grander scale later. Always a pleasure to have you here, man. Oh, listen, thank you so much, John. Really appreciate it. Uh, you say that now, but when I start knocking down your phone like three, four times, I'm like, hey, man. You, you want to come on the podcast? Hey, man, you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> I, hey, listen, I got no problem with that. Just, just, uh, it'll be scheduling, man. Both you and I are busy. Oh, you ain't lying. Now, uh, that being said, uh, again, I, I'm going to have all the show, uh, on the show notes, I'm going to have everything regarding Deviant Legion, incredibly strange films. Uh, Carl, do you want me to put your info out there in, piece, in case people want to connect? Yeah, absolutely. I don't okay, so... I'll throw that out there as well. Um, uh, most of our listeners are very respectful and they'll probably want to hit you up just to pick your brain on things anyway. So thank you for being open to that. And uh, before I wrap this up, I do want to say thank you, Carl, one more time, not only for coming on here, but for the wondrous connection that we have made over the last couple of months. Absolutely. And John, I have <laughs> to also say thank you very much for, for having me on and, and introducing me to XV Planets and what you you're, do because you're part I think of the family. It's very, very special. I appreciate that. You're definitely a part of the family over here now. And as I said, folks, you can definitely um, expect to hear a lot from Carl as we move forward. Anytime that we're doing anything that's not case file related to our paranormal investigations, 
we're going to be diving into a whole lot of other things, and Carl and I do have some tricks up our sleeves. Absolutely. In the ones, so uh, brace yourselves, because it's going to get weird, and that's the way we like it. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you right, very much, John. Yeah, absolutely. friends first of many appearances of carl Kiefer. he will be back here on a lot uh don't forget to follow us at xv planus pretty much anywhere you're on social media twitter instagram facebook uh e-x-v-p-l-a-n-i-s uh if you have stories you wish to share with us send them to xvplanus at gmail.com and uh we hope to hear from you in the future take care of yourselves take care of each other See you soon, friends.